Brother Mike's going to lead us in a word of prayer in just a moment to get started. Uh, tonight we continue our summer series with the theme, Who is Jesus? Uh, Brother Weed's, uh, Reed Swindle, uh, he grew up in Kingston, Tennessee. Uh, he got his undergraduate and master's degree from Freed Hardeman University. Uh, he has served as a youth and family minister for the past 15 years in three different locations, Lewisburg, Tennessee, Huntsville, Alabama, and Louisville, Texas. Uh, currently, he's preaching at the Foot Street Church of Christ in Corinth, Mississippi. And he's beginning this fall as an adjunct teacher in the Bible department at Freed Hardeman. He's married to Bridget Evans Swindle and of Jasper, and they have two children, Roman and Scarlett. They're nine and five. Reed, we look forward to uh, hearing you tonight. We... Uh, as we're preparing for this summer series, your name was suggested by more than one person, and uh, we look forward to having you with us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can come and study your word. Father, we ask you to open our hearts and minds. We also ask you, Father, to, to listen, to study, and to, after what we hear tonight, apply it to our lives. Be with Reed and his wonderful family, Father, and be with him tonight as he speaks to us. In Christ's name, amen. It's an honor to be with you tonight. Um, I've got a lot of good friends in this audience. I've got a lot of respect for a lot of the folks who are here. Uh, Brother Mike has been a good friend of mine for a long time. And uh, Hinton actually was an intern of ours when we were in Texas. And... Uh, Love and appreciate that family quite a bit. And of course, Brother Terry and his family, we love them. It's good to be with you tonight. Got an interesting topic, something I'm uh, excited about. At the same time, it's one of those that's a little intimidating when you look at it. It's a pretty big deal. Jeremiah chapter 37. Jeremiah has been suspected to be a defector and taken into prison. And this is right before uh, the destruction of Jerusalem the first time. And Zedekiah calls Jeremiah in and asks him a very interesting question. He says, is there any word from the Lord? He was nervous about some things were about to go on and he called Jeremiah in and said, is there any word from the Lord? And that's an interesting question. Have you ever asked that question before? Uh, maybe you've asked a, a question similar to that. It may not have been those exact words, but there's always, there, there's been time in all of our lives where we've been very curious about what God wanted me to do. What decision do you want me to make? What is coming uh, down the pike? What's next? I'm confused. I'm worried. I'm upset. I'm nervous. Uh, I've got a big decision to make. And, and I, I wish, I, I remember praying not too awful long ago about something. And I, I kind of got lost in my prayers, in, in, in my discussion with God over a specific thing. And I remember thinking, I wish God would just, I wish there was a way God would just tell me what he wants. I mean, I have enough faith in God to believe him. I have enough faith in God to follow him, just like you. And it would be great if he could just somehow say, this way. Or if he could say, that way. Or if he could say, not this time. J just something. 
Just anything. Is there any word from the Lord? And, and the word, word, is an interesting word. As a matter of fact, the Greek word is one they don't even know how to pronounce. You've heard it. It's either logos or logos or logos or logos. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a software company called Logos, and you can call and ask them. They don't even know how to say that word. But it means word. And what's interesting about that word is that it has several different meanings attached to it. And really, they're concepts. The first one, the idea is when you think of the singular like a word. Uh, the word and, the word the uh, you know, any word. That's what we think of when we think of that. But there's also a much bigger picture of the word word. There's the concept that it represents. There's the idea that it brings with it. My name is Reed. And that is a word. We say it. It's a word. But it represents something. Those of you who know me and you hear my name, hopefully you think of someone who's much taller and better looking than what's standing in front of you right now. You, you hear a word and it, and it represents something. We have what we call the word of God, but it's not just one word. It's a big group of words put together. And so we have the word, word, and it means a singular word, but it also can be an idea or a concept. And sometimes we would like to have word from the Lord. Sometimes it would be great to have either a word or to have a, an idea or a concept from God. And so when there's a time in your life that you ask, is there any word from the Lord? I want you to know that the answer is yes. Absolutely, 100% of the time, yes. Whenever you have a decision that you need to make, whenever you have a problem, whenever you have something that's going on that's bothering you, whenever you have something that you wish you could hear from God on, the reality is there's always word from the Lord. I want you to go to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at chapter 1. I want you to stay right there for a minute because we're going to talk about the word for a couple minutes tonight. And we're going to stay right there. We're going to move around and come back to Ephesians chapter 1. How is it that God has communicated with us? We are aware of that, right? We know the idea. We know the concepts that are in the Bible. God has given his word. Tonight we want to look at Jesus as the word and what that means. And how we apply it and what can we do with that. You go to the book of Ephesians. And you start at chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as son by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. The first thing I want you to know tonight about the Word is that God has prepared the Word. Or God has planned the Word. One of the things that you and I need to know is that God has always wanted to communicate with His people. 
You look at the way the Bible flows, and it almost looks like God's made a series of mistakes. Okay, he starts in the Garden of Eden. And he puts two people in a perfect scenario, and he gives them a choice. They made their own choice, so he's got to do something, so he kicks them out. He kicks them out of the garden, and he gives them some laws, and he gives them some rules. And by the time you get to chapter 6, they're all wicked except for one family. We're just going to start over. Just going just gonna to start over, going to wipe the slate clean. We'll get a fresh start here. And so he goes through what he calls a patriarch, what we call a patriarch dispensation, where he talks to the fathers. Then we go through what he, we call the mosaic dispensation, where he talks through laws. Well, then, uh, you know, he sends the judges to help them. They want a king, so he gives them a king, and during the time of the kings, they still won't listen, so he has to send all these prophets. And they can't get it right. They just can't accept the word of God. They can't accept the message that God is trying to give. They can't accept the message that God is trying to give to them. Not just the one word, but the concepts and the ideas that God is trying to give. They just can't get it right. So it seems as though God finally says, Jesus, look, we're just, just get in the game, okay? I'm just going to send you. We'll wipe out all this stuff. We'll start over with you. We started over with Noah. We'll start over with you. It's what it looks like. I remember when I was younger, hearing about the Old Testament, it just seemed like God couldn't quite get it right for some reason. What was the problem? Well, what I want you to know that's very important for us to understand if we're ever going to understand the Word of God, the only way we're ever going to understand what Jesus did and why he is the word is if we understand that it was planned from the beginning. And I've thought about this. And I've prayed about this and I've studied on this and I've, I've looked at this from a lot of different directions. And I've tried to boil down what is it that God is trying to communicate to mankind. What is it that he is trying to give the creation? What is he trying to communicate with us by, by, by all the things that he did and giving them the opportunities to have sacrifices, to offset their sins, and then sending us Jesus, and then allowing him to live, and according to the book of Hebrews, uh, living so that he could learn what it was like to be us, so that he's a mediator, he's the high priest that stands between us and God, so that when we go to God and pray and say, God, I hurt. Jesus stands there and says, I know what this feels like. You say, God, I feel like I'm all by myself. I feel like I'm alone. Jesus says, I know what that feels like. You, you say, God, I, 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 feel, I, I feel lost. I feel betrayed. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, 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 I don't know how things are going to turn out. I trust you, but I don't know what's next. Jesus stands there and says, I know exactly what that feels like. Have you ever thought about, before we leave that idea, have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus could have died as a perfect sacrifice as a baby? Didn't we need a perfect sacrifice? Well, when Herod was killing the children, all those children that died were sinless children. Jesus could have died right there and died as... A perfect sinless sacrifice for us. And still have been the son of God. So why live for 33 and a half years? The book of Hebrews tells us. So that he could identify with us. So that he could learn obedience, it says. 
Now here's my question going back to all that thought right there. What was the whole purpose? What is it that he's trying to communicate? What is the word from the Lord? What was the plan? What is it that he's always wanted us to know? And this is what I've boiled it down to. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to think about it a little bit. I believe the word of the Lord, the word from the Lord is this. I love you as much as or more than I love myself. I want you to think about it for a second. You look at the entirety of the Bible. And what is it that God's trying to communicate and has always wanted to communicate? He's always wanted to communicate that I love you, but when he sent a part of him to be on this earth, when he sent a part of him to live here like us, to take on our flesh and to go through a life and to feel pain and to feel betrayal and to feel loss and to feel sorrow and to feel sadness and to feel excitement, and to feel all kinds of the things that we go through, he's communicating to us, I love you as much as or more than I love myself. And he's always planned on us knowing that. That's what he's always wanted us to know. He's planned all along the way. There was not a series of mistakes God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, I love you, and I want you to choose to love me. And so I'm going to give you a choice, and you can show me that you love me through your choices, through your decisions, through how you accept what it is that I'm telling you, how much you trust me, how much confidence you have in me. Gee, God had no problem creating any kind of number of beings he wanted to that would do exactly what he wanted them to do. Apparently the angels had only one choice. It was the choice of doing what I was created to do or not doing what I was created to do. And also, according to the book of Hebrews, they don't have an opportunity for salvation like you and I do. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10, when he's talking about salvation, now those of the Old Testament look forward to that salvation that you and I have in the New Testament, things which even angels desire to look into. God could have created a group of beings. God could have created a group of beings who did exactly what he told them to. But the love that he has for us drove him to give us a choice. The choices that you and I have are because totally the love that God has for us. He's always, always wanted to communicate with us. I love you as much, if not more, than I love myself. And that's a humbling thought because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. So he prepared the word, the message. Not just a word, but a concept that he was wanting you to understand. A concept that he was wanting you to grasp. A concept that he would hope would motivate you to live right. That would motivate you to be what he wanted you to be. To motivate you to be holy because he's holy. To motivate you to be in submission to him because of your complete faith in him. Because of the word that he is giving you. 
And so then he sent the word. I want you to go to John chapter 1. I want you to go to John chapter 1. And I want you to, to take this idea and I want you to... We're going to read this from a different perspective. We've read this chapter and read this passage over and over again. Heard sermon after sermon on this. But it says, in the beginning was the Word. We understand that this is Jesus because it, later on in this chapter it's going to say, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We got that, right? We know that. But I want to take the word Word right here and I want to change it to the concept behind the word. I want to change this to the idea of a message. He's not trying to present just one word. He's trying to present a message. The message is I love you as much if not more than I love myself. So let's read it like that. In the beginning was the message that he's trying to communicate. And the message was with God and the message was God he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, the darkness could not comprehend it. And then you go over to verse 14. And the message became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the message is full of grace and truth. The message that he's trying to communicate with us. The thought that he wants us to understand. That I love you as much if not more than I love myself. And so the humility of God. The, the way that Jesus took on a form like us and became the message. He didn't just want to tell us the message. He wanted to send the message. He wanted to bring the message to you so that you would know that he meant it. We talk about doing something in the name of. We, we are to pray in the name of Jesus. The idea of being in the name of means that we're, we're sent from someone who has more authority than we do. And in the name of means the person who has sent me is asking the person who I'm sent to to receive me as if it was them that had come. Okay, you get what I'm saying there? And, and, and the time that in the name of was mentioned, the idea is, is that if a king had a messenger and wanted that messenger to go tell somebody something, or want them to go do something. That they would say, uh, they would send a letter and say, this person comes in my name. And what that meant was, is they are coming from me, and I want you to receive them as if it was me. I want you to receive them as if it was me coming to you. And so, Jesus is the message that God is sending. And it's as if God was coming to us himself. And so when we go back to God and we pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of the message, in the name of the word, in the name of the Son of God, we're returning communication with God based on the way he's communicated with us. And what's interesting about that is when you and I pray in the name of Jesus... The idea is, is that 
Jesus has given us permission to come to God and is asking God to treat us as if we were him. That's what in the name of means. It means to, to, to welcome the person as if it was the one who sent them. So that Jesus, the word, the message, came to earth and lived among us and was full of grace and truth provides us the opportunity to respond a message and come to God with the hopes of being treated as if we were the one who sent us the message. And that's a humbling thought as well. So, the idea that he prepared the word, he sent the word, he revealed the word. Go back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Which, verse 8, he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So, he prepared the word, the message. The message is, I love you as much, if not more, than I love myself. And he sent a part of him to be the message, the word. But he didn't just do it so that we couldn't quite understand it or it was somehow hidden or veiled. He revealed it to us all. He revealed it to us in a way that we can can understand it and apply it. So I, I want you to think about that for just a second. Have you ever wondered... Does the Bible really answer all my questions? This is the Word of God. But I mean, does it really answer all my questions? Does it really have all the answers that I need? I mean, I've thought about that before. I've had decisions I've had to make. I've had things I've had to go through. And I've wondered, I mean, does, does the Bible really address this? There are topics that come up and ideas and different doctrines that come up. And we'll ask ourselves, does the Bible really talk about this? Does the Word of God, the message of God, does it really, does it really answer these questions? Well, I want you to know that it does. And we're going to go through several passages real quick, so I want you to hang on with me, okay? Go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and in different ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Okay, so here's what he's saying. We've talked about this already. In times past, God chose to speak to his people in different ways. He spoke to him through the fathers. He spoke to him through, uh, through Moses and his laws. He spoke to him through uh, the prophets. But now he speaks to us through Jesus, through his son, through the word. So how does he do that? How has God revealed his word to us? He speaks to us. I I used to have this old neighbor when I lived in Huntsville. He was crazy, okay? 
I mean, this guy was absolutely crazy. Um, he, he and his wife were from Florida. Actually, they were from Michigan and had moved to Florida. And then they retired and he told me, I asked him one day how he ended up where he was living, you know, in, in Huntsville. He didn't have any family there or anything. He said, well, I just closed my eyes and I moved my hand around on the map and it landed on Huntsville. And we just decided to load up and move there and we bought this house and here we are. I mean, but, but the guy was a nut. I remember one time um, he was around the side of the house and he was always, he had these tomato plants that he put in a five-gallon bucket and hung them upside down. Have you seen this? They, they, they're like, I don't know anything. Listen, I, could, I, I can't grow anything. The only thing in my yard that grows is weeds. I, can't, I, I kill everything. Uh, if I ever try to grow something, it dies. Well, he had all these plants and all these crazy exotic things over there. And one day I'd said something to him, or he heard me, and he came around the house. And he said, hey, neighbor, how are you? I said, I'm doing good. And he said, hey, come over here. I want to show you something. I said, all right, what's that? And as I went around the side of the house, there was this smell that hit me. I mean, it was just this atrocious smell. And as I walk around, he rolls up his sleeves and he takes the top off this big drum and he starts, he, I was throwing my grass clippings away and he wanted me to come put them in that, that drum. And so I put them in the drum and he goes down and starts kneading it in. I mean, going elbow deep into this stuff. And I go, I said, what is this? He goes, this is called sludge. And I went, what is that? And he goes, I went down to the human waste department. I asked him to give me some of this because it makes my tomatoes grow great. This guy was elbow deep in this stuff. He was crazy, okay? The man would water his yard while it was raining. I promise I watched him do it. The guy was a nut. I remember standing around one time talking to him. And he knew that I was working with the church. And he said, he said, uh, how do you believe God talks to you? I said, well, I think he talks to me through his word. He said, well, yeah, but, but how else? He said, Have it, you're a minister, weren't you called? And I said, well, uh, the Bible tells us we're all called by the gospel. I said, no, my phone didn't ring. I didn't answer it and God wasn't on the other line. I said, no, I mean, he's never spoken in my ear or said anything, you know, that, that, that I heard him. I just... I, I, I love the Lord, I love the church, I love his word, and I love people. And you put those things together, and so that's what I do every day, all day. And he said, well, that's not what happened with me. I said, no, and he goes, nope, I was out in the woods one day, all by myself, and I heard a voice. I said, what did the voice say? And he goes, well, I couldn't quite understand it. So I got real quiet, and I started listening some, listen closer. I said, well, what, what, was it, what did it sound like? He goes, just sound like a normal voice. And he goes, uh, it was God. I know it was. It was God talking to me. And he was telling me that everything was okay. He said, I had been worried about some stuff. He said, I had a son who passed away and I was nervous and that's why I was out in the woods. And it was God out there just talking to me. It was just me and God. He goes, I go out in the woods and sometimes God talks to me and sometimes he doesn't. And so I took him to this verse right here. And I said, I want to talk to you about this for just a second. God in times past has spoken to people. But today he speaks to us through Jesus Christ, his son. So let me show you how he does that. Let me show you how he does that. I want everybody to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, 15, and 16. 
really starting in chapter 13 is, is what's going on the night before Jesus was betrayed? He got down on his hands and knees and he washed the feet of those folks that were so close to him. Such an act of humility and service. And then he had this conversation with them. And the passage we're so familiar with where he starts off and says, Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. You believe in, you believe in me? Should you believe in God? Believe also in me. And in my Father's house for many mansions. We know this passage. But he goes on and has a conversation with him. And one of the things you have to know about John 14, 15, and 16 are there, there are two kinds of truths here. Not that there's a, a different types of truths, but understand what I mean when I say this. There, there were universal truths that were taught in this passage, but there were also specific truths that were communicated. And what I mean by that was he was saying things like, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions. That's a general truth. That, that, that's excuse me, a universal truth. That's something we all can look at. But there are also some specific truths right here where he talked to them in that room about some specific things that were going to happen. And so you look at passages like verse 16 of chapter 14 where he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Then you go down to verse 25 and 26 where it says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things. You go over to chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And then in chapter 16 and verse 13, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So on that night when he's talking to them, he gave them some, some universal truths. But also because he was speaking specifically to them, he was talking to them about some things that would only happen to them. And that helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter would come and guide them into all truth and bring everything into remembrance that he needed for them to know. So Jesus says, I'm going to pray to God that he will send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come to you and guide you into all truth. Now I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. And we'll see where that happened. In Acts chapter 1, this is after Jesus has died, buried, raised from the dead. He's lived for a little while, spent some time with these folks. And he's about to send back into heaven. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Well, the promise of the Father appears to be the promise that he made to those people the night before he was betrayed when he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, the, the comforter to you. And he will guide you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance. And so then we move into Acts 2 and see the fulfillment of that. Where the Holy Spirit came. Where he lit on them like fire. They were able to speak in different languages. We understand there was a misunderstanding about the speaking of tongues, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because when he writes to the Corinthians, the 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, they thought that speaking in tongues was great, but he said, no, 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 God gives to all the way he wants to have it. Because they needed that to get the church started. 
They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have the word of the Lord. They, they had the message that came and was here, but he had to reveal himself. And then he had to preserve the word. So the message came. The word came. And he was revealed, but then there had to be a preservation. And so in order for the word to last where it is now, when there was no written word, the Holy Spirit brought to their minds the things they need to know. And we understand that was done away with. And so when we get to passages like Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul says this, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, has now been revealed by the Spirit to his apostles and prophets. So, this is what we need to know. God speaks to us through the Word, His Son. His Son was sent to us. His Son was revealed to us. And His Son, the Word, needed to be preserved. And so Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help start the church. And when those things were done away with, there was enough knowledge and writings that the New Testament was put together. And these things came from Jesus because the Holy Spirit guided their thoughts. So when we say that this is the Word of God, we say this is the message of God. And Jesus is that message and sent this to us. And so now you go to 1 Peter. Excuse me, 2 Peter. And you see where it says in verse 2 of chapter 1, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given to us all things which pertain to life and godliness. The word of God gives us everything that we need to know to live this life and to live it right. We know that his word is strong and powerful. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the divisions of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the hearts. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so the word has been prepared. The word has been sent. The word has been revealed and the word has been preserved. And we have our copy. The last thing I want you to know is this. That he is fulfilling his word. In your life he is fulfilling his word. His word is that I love you as much if not more than I love myself. I love you with all I have to love with. And he sent the, he sent the a message. He sent the communication. And the, and the message lived among us. 
The message was revealed and preserved. And now God is fulfilling his word. The thing that you and I need to remember above all things in our lives is that God loves us as much if not more than he loves himself because he gave a part of himself for us and he came to live among us so he could understand us and then became the sacrifice for us. And so when we read that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and all things that were made were made through him and nothing that was made without him and he became, he became flesh and dwelt among us and was full of grace and truth. You and I can know that what it is that God wants for you is for you to be in heaven. I want to leave you one thought on this as I conclude, and that's this idea. Do you know that God wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven? I want you to think about that for a minute. God wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven. That passage we read just a few minutes ago, John chapter 14. In my father's house are many mansions. We like the idea of mansions, don't we? That sounds like a good idea. Where do you want your mansion? Do you want your mansion out on the beach somewhere? Do you want your mansion on 500 acres with the mountains and the, the creek out there, big river? Do you want yours on a lake somewhere? Where do you want your mansion? When we think of heaven, we think of the idea of mansion, but there's something here that's a little different that you need to grasp. An interesting thought in a word. The word that's translated mansions is actually translate the, the correct translation is room. In my father's house are many rooms. We kind of miss the thought there when we jump ahead to the idea of having a mansion in heaven. It's much more personal of an invitation than that. The invitation is not to live on a mansion somewhere in heaven's land, the kingdom of heaven. The invitation is to live in God's house with him. In my father's house are many rooms and I'm going to go and prepare you one. The idea that he's not asking you to have a mansion out on the, the beach. He's inviting us to come and live in his mansion with him. He wants us to be with him more than we want to be with him. And so that's the reason that his word is so important to us. Would you bow with me? Father, we come to you now. Thank you for everything you've done. We're thankful for your word. And we pray, Father, that you'd help us to understand it. We're grateful that Jesus came and lived among us. And help us, Father, to show you our love through living by your word. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.